Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup. The Weekly Roundup is a show for people who like to stay updated with the latest developments from the Indian startup ecosystem. If it's the first time you're joining us today, then do consider subscribing to our channel for some great content on Indian startups. If you're new to the podcast, uh, then do consider subscribing to our channel for some great content. Now, a couple of highlights from this week's roundup. One is definitely how what would have been the second largest deal in the Indian startup ecosystem slipped out. Second would be Hero Motors finally four days into the EV uh, sector after having invested in a couple of EV startups. Karnataka issues notice to cab aggregators saying that the auto services which they are applying is illegal. And lastly, we have NRAI, which is the National Restaurants Association of India, asking its members to log out of Swiggy's dine-out. Now we'll be discussing how that is going to impact Swiggy's $120 million acquisition. Roshan, last week I heard you watched a really great movie. I did, I did. I watched Pony and Salvan with a few of my colleagues and uh, they have some embarrassing photos of me falling asleep for a brief moment in between. A brief constituting of 60%, no, 40% of the movies. I think it was 15 minutes, but you know, that doesn't uh, speak fairly about the movie. The movie itself was really nicely done, right? I mean, watch it for the beauty and aesthetics of that period. Certainly, I mean, a very nice movie to watch. What also struck me was the VFX work and everything, right? I mean, you know, Balaji Srinivasan often makes a point that, you know, India is the VFX capital of the world. We have solid talent, right? Even powering Hollywood movies and everything. Uh, and the recent movies, uh, you know, whether it's uh, RRR or whether it is, uh, you know, Pony and Salvan, less has spoken <laughs> about Brahmastra and the likes. But, you know, I mean, some of these movies definitely, you know, prove the point. We have solid skills on that front. Uh, that we could actually export to the world. So yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been an interesting week, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Pony and Salvan, I mean, this is a shocker to me. I think in in its first weekend, guess how much they grossed? Mm. 300 crore rupees. Wow. I mean, weeks. there's something to period dramas, man. I think people have a real yearning for peer, period dramas suddenly, you know. I mean, uh, uh, whether it's Bahubali or RRR or this. And of course, the cast. Yeah, and the cast as well. The cast was really good, yeah. Yeah. Hey, also, I came across this report this week, which said that Indian start, funding in the Indian startup ecosystem has declined by over 58% year on year. In the month of September, all venture deals combined amounted to $810 million. And not only is it a 58% decline year on year, even if you were to just compare how much decline there has been just compared to January of this year, it's an 82% decline from, I think it was $4 billion or something. Wow. Look, I mean, 2021 is an unfair comparison, right? I mean, you're comparing the biggest fundraise uh, year for Indian startups, right? I mean, we raised something like $40 billion in 2021. So so the base itself is really high. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know, even the most optimistic person uh, didn't think that it was just going to keep amping itself over the years, right? And you've seen what's happened in the US, right? 8.5% inflation, the Fed is going to hike rates again. And so obviously, there's going to be a crunch on liqu- liquidity sooner than later. Uh, and so everyone is sort of playing a wait and watch game, you know, and I've, I've often said that you know, early stage uh, funding will continue to thrive. And it is the case. I mean, although the report perhaps mentions that, you know, for that particular month, uh, it seems like early stage has actually declined and, you know, growth stage has actually increased for that but, month. But that was a marginal increase. Yeah. That too. I, I, yeah. I mean, see, when you compare, let's say, August of 2021 with August of 2022, there could be some quirks. It ignores the funding around these months that could have happened, right? I mean, so that's fine. With early stage, I think, even if it doesn't match the 2021 enthusiasm, I feel that it has declined at a lesser rate than, you know, some of the other rounds, right? which is logical, obviously, smaller amounts of money. And 
you know, capital is there. I mean, we've had 20 VC firms raise funds, right? I mean, and then they're going to deploy in the next uh, couple of years, two, three years. Yeah, the money has to go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but definitely the highlight of the last week was the slippage of the PayU and Buildesk merger. And this deal has been in the works for, I think, close to one and a half years now. And there have been multiple times, we have even discussed in the podcast that why is this moving at such a slow pace? And I think the last time we discussed this was when CCI gave its nod you know that okay this deal can go through but i don't know for reasons which are unknown it has slipped right but had this deal actually happened builders can pay you this new entity would have completely dwarfed you know fintech players like Razorpay, paytm and the likes at least for bill payment second largest deal the largest deal being walmart's acquisition of flipkart this definitely will have some effects into investor and founder sentiments it kind of reflects the times right i think it's a it's a bad case of buyer's remorse if you ask me you know i mean 2021 August was, uh, you know, the heights of optimism. And, uh, you know, we've just spoken about how there's been a decline in funding and generally there's a crunch, right? I mean, so I personally feel it could be just that, just uh, a bias remorse and, you know, process which was NASPERS earlier is trying to get out of uh, this through a technicality. They had something called a long stop date, which was September 30th, right? Mm-hmm. By when all of these formalities should have been finished. And if the if the parties were still, you know, keen on going through with this, I mean, they could have extended the date. But given that, you know, I, I feel like process will perhaps use this uh, to sort of negotiate down the valuation and see if they can trim that a little bit. Otherwise, adversely, it could be courts and arbitrages and all of that drama happening. See, the reason it took long was because of, you know, Competition Council of India looking at the impact of something like this, right? See, between Buildesk and uh, Process or PayU, they would have accounted for 40% of the market, which is huge, right? I mean, the next player would have been Razorpay, which is probably around the 15% mark. Uh, And that's a huge volume of transactions. And especially when you consider you know, payments, it's a lot of sensitive data, right? Builders, interestingly, works with a lot of government agencies, banks, PSUs, and so on, right? I mean, and a sort of a foreign entity owning all of this is, you know, definitely has an impact, right? I mean, there were as many as 40 cases filed with the CCI saying that this should not go through. So even with all of that, September 5th uh, was when it was cleared by CCI. And then the next hurdle was the whole RBI nod for this, right? So, it would have been interesting, I would say. Buildex, you know, it's been a 20 plus year old business. Founders are amazing. Uh, you know, I, really, you know, I, I keep harping on the fact that payments in India, I mean, we take it for granted right now, but the people who kind of pave the way really deserve a lot of praise and respect. Uh, payments, even even as late as 20, 2007, 2008, where, where, you know, if you were to compare it, it was almost a dark ages. Payments falling through and everything. Uh, Buildesk itself owns around, you know, 25% of the market. PayU is third in contention. And uh, it would have been interesting, but not to worry. I mean, Buildesk is, uh, you know, a significant player and they're profitable as well. So they could perhaps look at an IPO maybe in the next 18 months or so. Otherwise, look, payments has also been affected because of what's happened with Paytm, for example. Okay. Right? I mean, last year, when they listed at a $20 billion valuation and probably they're down to around 5 or $6 billion right now. And it's hard to ignore. Perhaps, I mean, the folks at Process were looking at all of this, trying to process it and figuring, you know, may- maybe they got the jitters, right? I mean, they thought that they should probably rework the valuation or something and they're using this for that. But payments is big, man. I mean, payments is the tip of the spear, right? I mean, whether it's for commerce, whether it's for lending or whatever it is. Uh, right, and we'll we'll talk about cred, uh, you know, going further in the podcast. But it 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 would have been interesting. Let's see how this thing gets resolved. Yeah. Also, Hero Motocorp, again, who have invested in companies like Aether, they finally launched its first EV scooter, right, and it's named Vida. Now, while Hero has been a laggard in 
I mean, has taken its time to launch its vehicle, right? So there's this really interesting quote which the chairman of Hero Motor Corp, Pawan Munjal, made. He says, while it may have been our wish to launch this product earlier than we have, we had to get it absolutely right for the greater good of everyone. So the way I took this comment was a jibe towards what's been happening, you know, uh, with other EV companies, right? Where the scooters are catching fires, like in and around the country, right? From Pune to Northeast uh, India. Right, but still, it's it'll be an interesting battle. Hero owns 34.8% stake in Ather, with another round of funding of 420 crore rupees coming up, which will see the share go up by another 2%. And uh, while Hero has taken its time, the sort of you know the brand advocacy it commands in the Indian markets, do you think it'll be able to make up for the gap which is currently facing? I think for sure i mean uh, it's also the classic innovators dilemma right i mean you have something that's working would you risk that uh, and launch new products that could potentially compete with those uh, existing products uh, right which is why i mean you have seen you know whether it is tvs or hero motocorp sort of wait and watch how this ev thing pans out uh, at this point of time i think given all of the factors whether it is the economy whether it is efficiency whether it's the government incentives we've, we've spoken about the fame subsidies mm-hmm. for instance all of that it definitely makes it lucrative for these folks to sort of invest in their own sort of brands and SKUs on the electric vehicle front. Interestingly, I think Aether has some clause perhaps limiting the ownership uh, that Hero can have within Aether, right? I mean, they can't go beyond a certain percentage. Uh, They cannot also like push for an acquisition and things like that. I mean, I'm sure that they've taken care of all of these things uh, so that they don't have an undue pressure on uh, Aether, right? I mean, my money is on Aether for you know, building out this market because they've been really thoughtful about their execution, right? I mean, they've been building since 2012, 2013. Right. And uh, it's just more options means better better for the consumers, right? I mean, right. so it will definitely get interesting. Any kind of automobile is a brand and distribution game, right? And Hero, of course, has amazing distribution, right? You can find, find it in the far corners of India. So we'll have to wait and watch, you know? I mean, we'll have to wait and watch what happens. I really hope that... Uh, they do have some really good R&D and, you know, we get to experience some new and innovative but Talking uh, about R&D, right? I mean, this, I think, would be the biggest takeaway from this partnership. I mean, Aether, we have seen the sort of innovations they bring out. They even signed a battery deal with some Israeli startup, which we discussed in the roundup. So there's a lot of learnings which Hero can take away from there. But also, if you look at the customer segments, which these two companies, you know, target, right? I mean, Aether, I would still put in a more like an urban crowd, whereas Hero, I think they would have a really strong foot forward addressing the tier 2, tier 3 cities. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think in terms of the segment, right, Aether has chosen that segment very carefully. I was listening to an interview of Tarun's and he was very certain that, look, I mean, the early movers who are going to adopt EV, right, they're going to adopt it for swag value, right? I mean, Correct. they're not going to want like scooters that they can barely show off. And this is that's, again... That's the, exactly what Tesla did. Tesla did, yeah. right? I mean, there should be some swag value. And believe me, I mean, I've seen electric scooters in 2005, six, and they were ridiculous, like, absolutely ridiculous, right? I would rather go on a cycle than an electric scooter. It was It was funny, actually. Right. And so we've definitely come a long way uh, in that sense. So, yeah, interesting times. I mean, I'll still uh, hold on to that bet that I have that, you know, by 2030, at least some key segments of vehicles will completely be electrified. Well, and hopefully we'll see more cabs getting electrified. But on that note, the Karnataka state government has declared that auto services of app-based cab and bike aggregators like Uber, Ola and Rapido are quote-unquote illegal and has asked them to discontinue the services. Now, that kind of explains a lot as to why folks in Bangalore are facing such issues getting cabs. 
<laughs> but reportedly commuters have complained to the state government that the companies charge a minimum of 100 rupees as the base fare and according to government norms auto drivers are eligible to charge a fixed rate of 30 rupees for the first 2 kilometers and rupees 15 per kilometer thereafter state police authorities have also said that ride aggregators are not eligible to run auto services as their licenses are applicable only for taxis but if if you were to think about this we use services like book my show we use services like irctc or any online platform right there's a convenience fee which is being charged because hey you're able to do this thing by sitting at the comfort of your home and not going to physical locations to book anything do you think that sort of a argument would apply here or how what do you think uber ola and rapido would be doing right now? i mean it's regulated right i mean there is a minimum fare right i mean which is 30 uh, 30 rupees uh, in karnataka and uh, i think the government is sort of looking at you know these cab aggregators from that lens right i mean that you can't perhaps charge more than 30 rupees i feel the cab aggregator model has completely revolutionized urban life you know it's brought down car ownership in some sense right i mean or car ownership would have sped up way faster if not for these options right it's solved public transport to a great extent right given the you know shitty infrastructure that we have especially in bangalore right so all in all i feel that you know the government should you know really talk things out with the cab aggregators i mean they've had a rough time anyway with two years of covid uh, right and coming out of it now i think the supply demand you know numbers are pretty skewed right which is why you're seeing the prices go really high as well and and given the you know whole macro environment uh, the funding crunch and everything uh, right these folks will have to charge the end consumers right there's no right. two ways about it uh, you know these days routinely i pay 300 or 400 rupees for a ride which once would cost uh, you know 170 or 180 rupees right uh, no, i mean exactly i mean just to go to your place right, which is just a few kilometers away i think on a cab aggregator platform it shows me like 100 120 bucks if i were to take a running auto from which just connects two main points between our houses the auto driver asks me for 250 bucks good luck finding exactly good luck finding that auto driver who will you know go by meter right because reality you know is that you'll have to go and negotiate anyway and the fact that you will have to go down wait for an auto to come by all of that stuff right Uh, so there is a great degree of convenience uh, obviously right so this reminds me of what paul graham uh, had tweeted sometime back you know in the early days uh, i think maybe around 2012 uh, that time uh, uber is so obviously a good thing that uh, you can measure how corrupt cities are by how hard they try to suppress it now i know that's an exaggeration but really you know i, I personally feel that there's been a round of negotiations right i mean even in 2020 november they came up with some cab aggregator policies at the central level these things are always in a flux i feel like they have to be resolved or i mean hey radical idea that might piss off some of the libertarians right which is that you know the government should perhaps launch a cab aggregation model of its own right I mean, uh, it's, it's going to happen in november this year they, they should i mean they should just launch it as a public utility because it's obviously a good thing right it's a fantastic model i mean it's very very efficient right so so why not do that you know well yeah i mean i remember reading this article sometime back that the auto union of bangalore they're coming up with their own ride hailing platform and it is expected to launch sometime in november so let's see until then we still have to at least schedule 20 minutes to get a cab moving on last year the national restaurant association of india took the fight to zomato and swiggy after accusing them of monopolistic practices nra alleged that swiggy's dine out app will hit the dine in businesses or restaurants due to the steep discounts on offer and high commission charged by the company they had run a similar logout campaign against zomato pro i think it was last year mm. right which they said ki no zomato can't be like forcing restaurants to offer discounts 
But then, of course, as expected, the company did find a way around where it started offering these discounts through Zomato Pay. And now this logout campaign, which is against Swiggy's uh, dine-in business, it might really impact uh, their acquisition of Dineout back in May 2012, which was worth $120 million. So uh, do you think this campaign, I mean, if we saw how successful the Zomato campaign was, right? Now with Swiggy prepping for its IPO, the $120 million acquisition, which is now coming at risk, how do you think this is going to pan out for them? Well, it's uh, certainly tricky and, you know, I always feel whenever you try to fight innovation with regulation, it's a net negative for everyone involved, uh, right? This is not the best. Really, I mean, I think Swiggy, Zomato and the likes should talk it out with uh, these associations and uh, and whatnot, right? I mean, um, but I do feel some of these associations and whatnot have to, you know, have to catch up. Really, you have to catch up. I'm not saying that there are no legit uh, grievances and stuff. I mean, obviously there are, for sure. Uh, right, but I do feel the restaurants have to sort of take this as a what what benefits them basis, right? I mean, which is that hey, I mean, if you see that there is a net increase in demand by listing on these sites, and if you think that uh, or, or applications, uh, and if you think that it's worth paying the commission, then it's up to you. No one is really, you know, asking you to sort of list in uh, right. in these uh, applications, right? It's weird how I'm defaulting to a very libertarian sort of an argument because right after we have seen like how much how, how them much in the is... previous uh, segment but but yeah i mean i i think the only way out is for these folks to talk things out really yeah i know i mean it's great for consumers right i mean i know i've, I've been to because just because zomato pro right i've been to places where i would usually not go to just for the discounts and that becomes a habit in, in due time obviously see there is definitely you know the demand aggregation on the cloud right which is what whether it is uber swiggy zomato whoever else right i mean which is what the basic model is it's perhaps the most innovative thing that's happened over the last 15 years i would say right from a consumer internet perspective so fighting that is is just ridiculous i think people have to find ways to live with it right and i'm not again not saying that they might be uh, you know, there might not be genuine grievances, right? These grievances should be addressed, right? We've seen this with the, you know, the urban company folks, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Where they've been talking to their uh, uh, their workers and trying to, you know, figure things out, right? And, and a lot of these folks, Wiggy, Zomato and the likes are also investing actively on all these, uh, you know, healthcare benefits, value-added services, insurance, etc. right? So we'll have to hope that, you know, things get resolved through some kind of amicable discussions and so on. So last week, uh, LinkedIn also released a report of top 25 startups to work for in India and topping that chart was CRED. And also last week, CRED has launched its own UPI payment offering called Scan and Pay, putting the company in direct competition with the likes of Google Pay, Phone Pay, and Paytm. Apart from the basic UPI uh, process, they've added a bunch of features like CRED Protect, which allows users to create an alias UPI ID instead of using the default one. It also has... Um, feature against transaction failure where Cred will ensure that users' money is returned back to their bank account without the need of filing a complaint. I think that's going to be the one of the most loved feature. And, uh, and we have also seen, like, when Kunacha first started off Cred, I mean, there was so much of talk in the media, like, hey, does this even have a sound business model, right? And today we have seen Cred grow from a credit card bill payment platform, you know, to having services like Cred Mint, right, which is a low-risk investment product. Then there were lending product called Cred Cash. There are payment suites called Cred Pay, and of course the Shop and Rewards uh, platform Cred Store. They have come so far along, and now with UPI coming in, that's definitely going to drive up a lot of adoption. And even like there's this interview I was reading where one of the spokesperson of Cred was saying he was asked, "Hey, so are you going to onboard 
all merchants like how Google Pay and PhonePay did. And the reply was like, no, we're not going to do that. We know the specific stores where Creds users go and shop. And they're just going to focus on onboarding them for now. What do you what do you make of this? See, I think Cred's fundamental thesis of being relevant for the top 2% of India it holds a lot of value. I personally feel that, right? I mean, I don't think banks or, you know, financial services companies in India are capable of, uh, you know, t- giving that sort of exclusive treatment uh, to the top 2, top 3% of folks, right? Because it has to be a technology-driven approach and Cred is a tech-first company, obviously. So this was definitely coming, right? The fact that they were going to figure a way to sort of get more of the payments by as well. Uh, and here, you know, like you mentioned, the scan and pay feature, uh, the fact that, you know, up to 10,000 rupees, uh, any kind of uh, problems, they will refund the amount, no questions asked. Or even things like, you know, they have in- in-app support on chat mm-hmm. for UPI uh, payment failures and whatnot. Now, all of this is definitely going to add to, you know, the, the experience, right? I mean, uh, that that perhaps, I mean, people don't get on other apps, other UPI uh, uh, apps as such. And the fact that, you know, credit is already in the business of, you know, loyalty, rewards and all of that stuff, right? So it's hopefully, I mean, it's it'll be more meaningful than these Google Pay scratch cards that nobody really indulges in anymore. Well, I think right? I have close to 200 scratch cards. <laughs> yeah, I, I've even, cards. I've lost count of it actually, you know. So I think it might be more meaningful in that sense. Now, all of this is preparation for what is going to come, which is UPI 2.0. And if you thought the, you know, UPI thus far has been perhaps the, the biggest invention of the last five years, you know, you should just have to sit back and look at what UPI 2.0 promises, right? So for the first thing, you know, you can link your credit cards and not just your debit card, yeah. right? which opens up a whole other gamut of things that you can do, right? I mean, people who spend, you know, using credit cards can now amp up all of their transaction volumes and gain more rewards and whatnot, right? That is one thing. The second thing is uh, something like UPI Lite, which is, you know, something like a Paytm wallet experience. Right? So you can hold up to 2000 rupees within UPI. Uh, and you don't really need a working internet connection to sort of transfer cash. And then you have UPI 123, which is that, hey, you don't even need a, a smartphone to do something like this, right? I mean, you just give a missed call to a particular number and the, the transaction will happen. All of these are are pretty amazing. And then you have UPI auto pay, right? I mean, uh, so RBI had introduced some guidelines saying that, you know, for auto pay, the PIN will be required. And which is why, I mean, you saw Apple, for instance, uh, you know, not not taking uh, those cards, right? I mean, Indian cards, and you have to sort of pay through UPI anyway uh, on Apple. So with UPI auto pay, you will be able to do that more seamlessly. Uh, so all of your Netflix and mobile recharges, mm-hmm. whatever can happen through that. Uh, and then the fact that, you know, UPI is being actively internationalized, right? I mean, we have an agreement with Bhutan, for example, where we're talking to Singapore, we're talking to France and UK and so on to really enable... Uh, one, you know, transactions in those countries, right? I mean, so you could perhaps go to, you know, a bakery in, uh, you know, France or whatever and perhaps pay using UPI. That would be pretty amazing. Um, And and on that note, you know, having just returned from the US, you know, a few weeks back, I can tell you that the payment infrastructure there versus here, right? I mean, there's just, it's mind-blowing. It's almost like they're living in the dark ages with all of the change and and whatnot. So, So that's going to be, Pretty amazing, right? Remittances, uh, again, you know, with this whole UPI internationalization, remittances are, are a game changer, right? I mean, uh, if if you can get money across to your folks in uh, India uh, from abroad in a matter of uh, seconds, as with UPI, right? I mean, UPI probably takes three, four seconds yeah. uh, compared to a matter of hours and days, uh, as is the case right now. 
that could be amazing so all of this is a build up to upi 2.0 and i think cred is you know very intelligently sort of positioning itself uh, to that so on the product front i think cred has made a lot of progress uh, i would say since the time they started and uh, who knows maybe we'll have uh, kunal on the podcast sometime mm-hmm. and talk to him about you know what's coming up yeah. but uh, one thing i really want to give a shout out uh, to cred on is the whole user experience they have i mean mind blowing i have seen tweets across twitter saying that yeah. they just want to try out cred just so that they can check out the UI, right? And yeah. I think that really speaks a lot about their design and product teams. Yeah, yeah. props to their design and product team. I think they're setting the bar for, uh, you know, excellence in uh, Indian startups. Yeah. All right, talk of town. So Sequoia, in association with NatGeo, has released its latest season of She Builds, which is a docu-series highlighting the work done by some of the finest women entrepreneurs across the country and abroad. And in season two, we also have Yamini, who is the co-founder and CEO of Vimo. And Roshan, I mean, you have had the opportunity of working very closely with her and you have also seen the film. So what are your thoughts on it? I think the film kind of does uh, justice to who she is. She's a fantastic person, great person to work with, uh, right? And and it's also a very inspiring series, you know, uh, know, really profiling women builders. So I'm really excited for uh, the other episodes as well. Uh, Some really amazing founders uh, being profiled. Last year, we had uh, Ashwini Ashokan uh, and the founders from uh, Animal, Animal. Uh, and so on, right? So so this year as well, I mean, you have quite a lot of founders. So apart from Yamini, uh, so in this season, apart from Yamini, we also have ProCap's Pallavi Srivastava, Wingreen World's Anju Srivastava, Lemonello's Shinta Nurfozia, and Beauty Hall's Irene Ursula. And these are some fantastic founders who have, who have these are some fantastic founders and I'm really excited, you know, what sort of impact shows like this will actually help in getting more women entrepreneurs uh, take the main stage. Yeah, for sure. Apart from that, Roshan, I really want to discuss a tweet which you had put out recently where you were talking about how the SaaS selling to SaaS gravy train is soon ending, right? And you, do you want to read out your tweet? Okay, all right. The SaaS selling to SaaS gravy train is soon ending and the reason isn't that software is commoditized. There's always dollars in a fragmented market. It's because what should have been a 10% lifestyle business is now a 30% go-for-broke VC-funded business at less than $1 million ARR. I think I was being a little more charitable. I think it's perhaps less than 500k ARR, right? Yeah, I think this was also right after your Saster. Yeah, Uh, just a few reflections after I went to Saster, uh, right? See, we talk about the optimism in uh, SaaS and I think, you know, there's more than enough reason for that, right? In fact, uh, if I talk any more about SaaS, I mean, people are going to ask me to change my Twitter handle to Sassy Roshan, right? But, uh, but, but look, I mean, you also have to face the reality that, you know, folks have also had the Kool-Aid a little too much. I, I think, you know, few of these companies that I saw shouldn't even be products and few of the products shouldn't even be plugins, really. I mean, I, it might sound harsh, but uh, that that is the lens I have for a company which is supposed to, you know, become a billion dollar exit for someone, right? I mean, uh, an investor, whatever, billion dollar company. Um, If this was a lifestyle business, hey, more power to you folks, right? I mean, build that, you know, 45th product, uh, in a really fragmented market and make a few million dollars of turnover and that'll be amazing, right? I mean, that's that's props to them. I mean, I would love to run such a business, right? But uh, it isn't, you know, I mean, these are barely at a few hundred K ARR, right? Seed funded and uh, uh, already at a valuation of 10 million or $20 million. Uh, and and so they're on the hamster wheel, right? I mean, they're going to have to seek more higher valuations and they're going to have to grow at 
that uh, you know ferocious mm-hmm. rate that uh, VCs expect, right? Three x, three x, two x, whatever it is. And um, in these markets, which are super fragmented, when there is almost no differentiation between one product to another, really, uh, you you tell me how one spend management product is different from the other, right? I mean, I don't see it. And when you're selling to other software companies. And not really building any kind of domain or vertical intelligence as such. Really, I mean, it's a huge risk, uh, you know. I mean, I, I so I really thought about this, you know. I mean, I was on my mind for quite a few days before I actually put that thread down. You're going to see a lot of creative destruction, let's put it that way, you know, uh, in the time to come in this segment, at least, right? I mean, but, but again, you know, the lesson from all of this is for founders who really ask that hard question, right? Uh, what kind of a business do I want to run? You know, I mean, what kind of exit am I looking for? Am I looking at an exit at all, right? right. Because I, I think, you know, with all of this funding enthusiasm, people have this one template in mind that, you know, hey, have an idea, raise funding, build a team, and then raise the next round and whatnot, right? I mean, that does not have to apply to every startup, every product, certainly. There could be products and startups where, you know, it's just a one person uh, uh, or a five, 10 person company, you know, turning a few million dollars and being really happy with it, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, something I think was just code a plugin that yeah. automatically picks up certain keywords from text, right? I mean, leave that to be a plugin. Why build an entire company around it? There is this amazing case of this guy, Amit Agarwal, right? I mean, he's a legend. He's also one of the early tech bloggers in India. I mean, he's been doing this for 15 years or something. He makes reportedly, I think somewhere between 15 to $20 million a year as a one-person company. And uh, he started off by publishing plugin on the Google uh, ecosystem that does mail merge, right, for mm-hmm. Gmail. And uh, similarly, he's got, I think, around 10 or 15 of these applications which have been downloaded thousands of mm-hmm. times, perhaps more. So yeah, I mean, it really depends what you define success as, what your end goal should be. And then accordingly, take one path or the other. You know, I mean, you don't have to take that, you know, beaten down path of, okay, you know, have an idea, raise funding and get on the hamster wheel. Mm. This also reminds me of uh, the show Silicon Valley where yeah. they asked, are you chasing valuation or are you chasing revenue or what are you chasing? I mean, There's a classic line from that show where the guy, you know, where Richard, I think, is talking to this other founder whose startup has just imploded, uh, right? And uh, he just asked a very 101 engineer kind of question, right? Which is that, why didn't you take less? And the guy mm. was like, you can take less, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Roshan and your biryani is on this, so let's wrap this up quickly. This week, uh, you'll be talking with Anubhav Jain of Rupify and uh, Subbu, who is the co-founder of Blackbuck, and you'll also be a second guest from Blackbuck in our podcast. Tell us what you'll be chatting with them about. Rupify is interesting. Uh, they're in the whole B2B payments uh, space, and it'll be, I think, this perhaps the second or third, maybe more. I mean, we've spoken to quite a lot of payment companies, right? But it'll be really interesting to understand uh, more on their market and their execution, what they're seeing at this point of time. So so that's that. And look, Blackbuck is one of the most interesting businesses, uh, I think, that's come out over the last, you know, 10 years or so. You know, we had Deepak, uh, who's the chief data scientist there, explain some of the nuances on, in terms of what is the kind of data analysis they do, they, that they do. Here, I think, uh, with uh, Subbu, I'll focus more on the, the business side of things, right? I mean, talk about their thesis and how they're uh, sort of executing. So both very interesting episodes. Uh, in fact, last week I recorded an episode with uh, Shruti of uh, Apna Club, which we perhaps will post in you know two or three uh, weeks. They have an event coming up and they want to time it with that. So so overall, a lot of interesting uh, you know content coming up. Uh, do check us out. Of course, I mean, if you haven't 
you know rated reviewed us so if you haven't rated or reviewed us i think you should definitely you know uh, do that sooner than later i think help more people discover our content and uh, you know for one lucky winner i'll even send a portfolio of biryani as well right straight from calcutta using zomato legend thanks for adding another 2000 rupees overheads uh, on what i thought would be a 400 <laughs> rupee expense but uh, yeah if you'd like to drop us a note you can reach us via our twitter handle which is at @operator startup also linkedin the startup operator our email id is the startup operator at gmail.com and if you like startup updates to be delivered straight into your whatsapp inbox you can check out the description below you where you'll find our whatsapp link do subscribe to that until then take care and have a great week ahead we'll see you again next sunday all right guys thank you keep it real